Chapter Thirteen of Ruffles and Danny, or the Responsibility of Ruffles, by Marjorie Watson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen, is the flag up yet, Danny? Called Ruth from the morning room where she was arranging a bowl of nasturtiums. No, Ruffles, not yet. But the men's are cleaning the fish. I can see them. I guess it'll go up pretty quick," answered Danny. Having adjusted the flowers to her satisfaction, she placed them on a window sill against the background of a cream net drapery on which they almost appeared to be twining, and where the sun brought out wonderful colors in the green bowl. Her little nod of approval, as she stepped back to view the result, implied that it was not half bad. Then she turned, picked up a good-sized basket and her riding gloves, and joined her father and Danny on the piazza. "'Well, Dad, what shall it be today? Chowder, or squatigue alias tautaug, alias sea-trout? Down here, that which we call a fish tastes as good under any other name. Indeed, we're lucky to get anything with fins under any name whatever, as fish is the only thing that one can be sure of on this cape. I don't wonder they called it cod. If it wasn't for the captain, we couldn't even have eggs and chicken.' Mr. Sanderson laughed. It's lucky we came down with the idea of leading a simple life, for it is certainly difficult to secure adequate provisions for the table. Now it is a surprise to me that someone doesn't go in for poultry raising and truck farming on a large scale. There isn't any reason in the world why it shouldn't pay well. Danny was leaning his elbows on the piazza rail, idly watching for James to bring round the pony cart but although his thoughts appeared to be far away, he had heard all that was said. "'Ruffles, there's a cow out in the driveway,' he mildly announced. "'Go poke her out into the lane, Danny,' suggested his father. But Danny did not move. He appeared to be considering the proposition. Then, very slowly, he queried in an argumentative tone, "'Well, but, Dad, suppose the cow should poke me?' "'Never mind, Dannykins,' laughed Ruth. "'Here comes James with the horses. He'll attend to her.' Danny walked quickly over to his father, leaned against his chair, reached up, and tucked his fingers inside Mr. Sanderson's collar. "'If you please, I think I may need a little money this morning,' he said. "'I haven't spended any money since we came to Harwich, you know.' "'But there isn't much to buy down here, is there?' "'Well,' said Danny, with his hands in his pockets, "'perhaps I shan't buy anything, but I'll tell you when I get back, please.' So a dollar bill was transferred from Mr. Sanderson's pocket to Danny's, and the pony cart started off with a very definite air about it, as though it knew just where it was going. Ruth was off for the fish-houses. She was untrammeled by any petty rules of tradition, having been brought up to regard truth, sincerity, wisdom, and regard for the rights and welfare of others, with pity and helpfulness for the weak, the helpless, and dumb animals, as the fundamental principles of all right living. So she had no hesitation from any false pride to accept the captain's playful suggestion in regard to a fish-basket and the cottagers along the way had come to watch for the girl with the basket on horseback. She had also won the admiration, a very courteous admiration, from the fishermen themselves. 
Mr. Sanderson had a business errand to attend to this morning, so the pony cart was left to its own devices. Chrysanthemum's little hoofs clipped off the paces with much energy, but he couldn't cover ground in competition with either Bonnie or Farmer Boy, so he was soon left behind. It was no surprise to James when Danny turned in at the Frost's driveway, as it was almost impossible to pass that enticing spot without stopping to, well, perhaps to feed the chickens, or possibly to be fed yourself with one of Eunice's cookies, and anyway to say hello. Besides, the captain was almost always somewhere in sight, and of course he'd spect you to stop just a minute. Yes, siree, just as I told you, for there he is this very minute out by the barn talking to Mr. Dick Huntington. Danny told Kissam to hurry, and waved his whip to Uncle Captain. How the old captain loved to have this dear mite of humanity coming in to see him every day. "'Hi there, General, what's up today?' he hailed, as Chrysanthemum was brought to a stand. Danny jumped to the ground, passed the reins to James, and, removing his hat, followed his usual custom of shaking the captain's big, strong hand and then he greeted Richard. He often found Richard talking to this special friend of his. "'Uncle Captain,' began Danny, "'could you—do you think you could spare a hen?' "'Why, I guess I might manage to get along if I let one go. Does Dewey want one for dinner?' "'No, I mean a live one.' "'A live one? Where would you keep it?' There was an interested twinkle in the captain's eyes by now. I'm going to give it away, explained Danny. Oh, I see. Did you want me to ship it somewhere for you? No, I thought I'd take it right now and carry it over to those ladies in the woods, you know, what had their house almost burned. A week's acquaintance with Danny was more than enough to convince any reasonable-minded person that there was always a raison d'etre for most all his actions and thoughts. So now the captain and Richard exchanged interested glances, tinged with curiosity. "'Oh, you mean Miss Susan Simpkins?' "'Yes, that's her. You see, if she had a hen, the hen could born some little chickens, and then more peoples could have eggs for breakfast, and she could have the money.' "'I see, but Danny, they—' Just at this point Richard nudged the captain. "'Let's go take a look at the hens.' he suggested, and pick out a suitable one. All right, General, come along and take your pick. Danny started on the run. Richard saw possibilities of a bit of fun. I say, Cap'n, if you happen to have a broody hen, let Danny have her and I'll follow the matter up. It won't do any harm, that is, if you want to let the hen go. The captain chuckled but where on earth you think Susan Simpkins can keep a hen gets me. However, Danny shall have the hen, and then it's up to you. So Danny was obliged to choose a certain big, fat, white hen, which had stowed herself away on some hay in a corner of the barn. Eunice produced a basket with a cover, in which the purchase was stowed, and Danny paid the captain thirty cents, the sum he was assured to be entirely sufficient for the valuation set on the transaction. Not being versed in the market price of poultry, Danny had no hesitation, and he carefully put back the change in his pocket. 
Richard carried the basket to the pony cart, gave James the wink, and directed him the nearest way to the house in question. "'I shall be calling there myself this morning,' he said, "'and as I can walk through a footpath which is a short cut, I may arrive nearly as soon as you do.' "'Aren't you going to see Auntie Frost and Mary, Danny?' asked the captain. "'Well, you see, it's a very busy morning. Perhaps I'll come in again by and by. Get up, kiss em. The captain chuckled at the air of weighty responsibility with which the small boy had picked up the reins and driven away, carrying with him a much disturbed hen and a greatly mystified James. "'Lord, I must go tell mother about Susan Simpkins being set up in the poultry business. Run along, Richard. Sorry I can't come and see the fun. Drop in later and tell us about it.' Richard took the low fence at a running jump and was off across lots. Just the same, he's a crackerjack little kid, and I'm not sure he hasn't hit on a bright thought. And Richard pondered on the doings of Danny as he hurried along. He proposed to let Danny open the play and occupy the stage alone at first. So when he drew near the tiny house, the present standing of which was due in good part to his own efforts, he looked about for a place where he could be concealed and yet be able to observe what was going on. He just made it in point of time, for he already heard the little sputtering thud of Kissam's hoofs on the soft, sandy roadway. A little to one side of the blackened trail of the fire, there was a small clump of scrub oak and bayberry bushes, which would serve as a convenient screen, and here he ensconced himself. There were sounds proceeding from within the house, testifying to the presence of at least one of the sisters. Then as the pony cart came in sight, he heard calls of, "'Susan, Susan, come here quick!' The tones of Sarah's voice weren't exactly what you'd call modulated. "'My, ain't they cute!' she squealed. "'Why, I believe the little boy is coming here. Yes, he is. Who do you suppose he is? Ain't he pretty?' Danny's step was slightly hesitant, and his chin was not so high as customary. It wasn't as easy as he thought it was going to be to go up to two strange women and hand over his present. He had a way of twisting one of his fingers in his curls when slightly embarrassed, and the forefinger of his right hand was very tightly twisted as he walked toward the house. "'Buck up, little general,' whispered Richard. "'The worst is yet to come.' Danny stepped up to the door and timidly rapped. "'Good morning,' he said to Miss Susan, who opened the door almost immediately. "'Howdy-do,' was the response from Miss Susan, echoed by Miss Sarah, whose face peered over her sister's shoulder at the sunny-haired visitor. "'Won't you come in?' she asked. "'Well, you see, I bringed you a present, and I guess I'd better go get it. It's out in the pony cart.' Danny turned to run, but after a few steps he hesitated, wheeled about, waved a chubby hand, and called, "'I'll bring it right in!' The sisters looked at each other open-mouthed, too astonished for speech, and waited for further developments. They saw the boy try to lift a basket from the cart, but finding it too heavy, he jumped in and drove up close to the door, where James, touching his cap, lifted the basket to the ground. "'Here tis!' cried Danny. Not stopping to think, 
he lifted the corner and out flew a clucking cadarketing hen with such a fluster that the sisters screamed kiss him shied and danny flew after the long-legged seven-league boot half stride and half flight of the hen james grinned and richard concluded the psychological moment had arrived he was quite well known now to the mrs simpkins for he often stopped in his walks through the woods for a chat with the ladies richard you must remember was constantly on the lookout for raw material to be cooked up in tempting dishes to be served on paper at some future time to a somewhat satiated public oh mr huntington called miss sarah waving her apron wildly and hastening to meet him do you happen to know who that little boy is he says he brought us a present and it's a live hen so i perceive he said well the first thing to do is to catch the hen you go head her off up the left field while i stalk from the rear laughed richard suiting the action to the word in so energetic a manner that miss simpkins caught the spirit and moved to place on the left field danny had just made a touchdown but the hen slipped from underneath made straight in miss susan's direction giving that estimable lady such a panic that she rushed for the little entry seized an umbrella which she forthwith commenced to wildly open and shut to the extreme bewilderment of the much befuddled hen who with high and stately steps retreated to centre poised on one foot holding the other high in protest and surveyed the enemy by which she was now surrounded richard upfield danny left centre and miss susan and miss sarah at opposite corners with james for umpire holding on to his stomach with both hands and trying to straighten out the muscles of his face oh lord he groaned in a painful ecstasy of delight richard made several wild gestures and slowly and cautiously the outlying circle began to draw up toward the centre of the field and just at this point ruth came strolling quietly down the same path over which richard had recently trod she paused by the identical clump of scrub oaks which had acted as a screen for him and her eyes ran quickly from one to another of the scattered group but she did not at once see the hen hm must be some new game who's it i wonder miss sarah still clutched her apron and miss susan the umbrella danny's hat hung on his shoulders and his face wore the determination of an indian chief on the warpath and mr richard was plainly having the time of his life he held a little back of the others for he anticipated a rush which is just what happened there were frantic grabs and shrieks but a flopping squawking mass of white floundered out of the scrimmage richard was ready for her with a high jump he just managed to catch her by the leg to the huge delight of all but the hen who shortly found herself tucked under richard's arm with her wings held close land sakes what a time panted miss sarah why there comes ruffles shouted danny he started joyously to meet his sister but turned to call back don't let her get away again mr dick which bit of advice or warning it is to be inferred had reference to the hen not on your life danny chuckled richard under his breath with a special inference all his own now miss sarah began richard in a confidential aside please introduce me to the young lady 
for I have never met her formally. Land sakes, you don't have to wait for introductions down here. But just as you say, she whispered, as they drew near the young woman in question. Folding her hands very properly and with a polite pucker, Miss Sarah said, Miss Sanderson, be you acquainted with Mr. Huntington? It was a very saucy face, brimming with mischievous memories of their previous encounters, that looked up to Richard. Not from an eastern point of view, she said, with a little gesture of acknowledgment. Then the sight of the blinking hen was too much for her, and she burst into an irresistible peal of merriment. What is the name of the game? she chuckled. I just got in at the finish. Richard smiled complacently, first at the hen, and then at Ruth. At last he was in a position to enroll himself as her friend, and she should have all the fun she wanted, so long as he might share it. This, said he, is business pure and simple. A new firm is about to be incorporated. Your brother provides the capital. The initial stock palpitates neath my left arm, and the firm name is to be the Simpkins Sisters, concluding his short speech with a comprehensive sweep of his right arm and a sly wink at the two older ladies. Now we should be very glad to enter your name on the books as a regular customer for eggs and broilers. Danny had been standing with his eyes glued to that hen, ready to grab should she make a second attempt to escape. Now he looked up at Ruth with a smile. You see, Ruffles, I bide the hen of Uncle Captain and gave it to the ladies. Oh, I see, or at least I begin to see. So this little boy must be a brother to the pretty Miss Sanderson, who had been so energetic at the time of the fire, thought the sisters. Land sakes, Mr. Huntington, whatever are we going to do with that hen? came in chorus from both at once. Why, said Richard, that's simple. Just for the present we'll have to return her to the basket, and then, turning to Ruth, if Miss Sanderson will accompany me through the woods to the village, we'll procure suitable material, have it sent up, and in a short time Chicken Little will have a domicile worthy of a pioneer in a new enterprise. I'm quite a carpenter, as you shall see. Then we'll get a setting of eggs, and the business is launched." Captain Frost will give you all the desirable information as to care and feeding, at vous voilà. Judging by the number of times that Susan and Sarah travelled out to the temporary hen-coop that night to feed or to watch their new pet, Danny's inspiration was surely a success in more ways than one. A new interest was awakened in the somewhat dreary existence of the two, and the incentive to succeed, from another point of view, grew each day. When the soft, bright-eyed, downy little chicks hatched out, there was excitement indeed, and everyone within hailing distance must needs come and see their treasures. Danny, Ruffles, Richard, and Uncle Captain, having launched the affair, did not allow their good work to languish for the lack of grain, feed, additional pullets, and finally a proud, disdainful, and lordly young rooster, which arrived with the compliments of Danny. Richard put in considerable time to enlarging the quarters. Before the summer was over, they all felt well repaid, for the sisters really showed signs of growing younger. They were obliged to be much of the time in the open air, 
where previously they had remained indoors, generally with windows closed or blinds drawn. End of chapter 13